0: The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not Eros, a sort of aesthetic or romantic love. Not Philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends. But it is agape, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of men. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization.
1: This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation here at Church of the Redeemer. You just heard an excerpt from this Sunday's forum referencing Dr. Martin Luther King's global vision of beloved community. This is the second follow-up conversation in our Forum Lenten series, focusing on the work of becoming beloved community, the Episcopal Church's journey and commitments to respond to racial injustice and grow a community of reconcilers, justice makers, and healers. We have the Reverend Philip Duvall, Rector here at Redeemer, to look back at this past Sunday's session and explore the language of becoming beloved community. Welcome, Phil. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Um, after our first session, the question arose, why is this work called Becoming Beloved Community? Um, why these words? What is the origin of the language?
0: Yeah, no, that's a phenomenal question. And by the way, I'm really excited that you are putting together this podcast and you're doing this. I think it's really cool. Yeah. it um, And for us to think, there's just so many different ways for us to be able to sit and process and talk about what we're hoping to accomplish or are hoping to... Um, see occur mm-hmm. in the work that we're doing with Becoming Beloved Community. And I think <clears throat> slowing down and asking the question even of why is it called Becoming Beloved Community, Right. Uh, I'm a big fan of the idea that words matter. Yes. So when we ask this question, why, why this word, why this name, what does that mean? Um, beloved Community, there's a couple things I want to say, but I'll start with with it, where it was popularized, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. popularized the phrase. it was actually he took it from another um, philosopher and writer from, I believe the early twentieth century, but it was not something that had a lot of traction <laughs> in right, culture right. and 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 Dr. King really seized on it as he was trying to describe what his picture of a reconciled mm-hmm. culture looked like, a culture in which people were caring for one another. Uh, in, in which uh, people of different uh, cultures, colors, languages, classes were actually seeking to live in, you a, know, in a, in a way where they cared for one another and moved across those traditional distinctions, right? Right. 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 And and he was and so he used this term, beloved community. Beloved community um, is a is is the emphasis, and this is really cool in my mind, is on our belovedness. Mm, mm-hmm. We had the the yeah. person who raised the question about why, you know, why this term beloved community and wondered aloud, well, why not just call ourselves a loving community, mm-hmm. which is a great question. And what a wonderful thing to be. Mm-hmm. If everyone who said, oh, that church is a really loving community, right. you'd say, right. that's a wonderful thing, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The idea that we are first and foremost beloved and that we identify ourselves and, the, and those with whom we connect as beloved, mm, mm-hmm. loving is something that we are supposed to do.
1: Yeah.
0: And if the emphasis of being a loving community is what we are doing to the world around us, that is an important reality. But if our I, if our name, if the nominal reality of us, the foundational reality or the defining reality of us is that we are beloved, mm. the emphasis is put on God.
1: Right. Right.
0: The emphasis, and then we're a church.
1: I mean, by definition, mm. I, right? Right. Beloved community. By whom? Yeah, yeah, right? exactly.
0: Now, there's the love we share with one another, right. but our scriptures tell us, uh, one of John's epistles, first we are loved and then we love. Mm. That the love that we have, the love that we share, the love that we give, the love that we decide to, 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 to bring into the world is actually simply an overflowing of the love that we receive. And we receive that love first and foremost from our creator, from the one who makes us. So if we understand ourselves as fundamentally beloved, Mm -hmm. and if I can look at someone who's different from me, who differs from me in in every aspect, Mm -hmm. and recognize him or her as essentially beloved by the same God, then what does it look like for me to live in relationship with that person? And so placing that emphasis on our belovedness doesn't, take away any level of accountability for us to be loving. Right. But the emphasis is, is the defining emphasis is placed on God's loving of us and everything we do being an outpouring of that. Uh, One other thing I want to say about that is because it's a a defining statement Mm -hmm. rather than sort of like what um, we should try to attain or reach, Mm -hmm. it's important to note that Dr. King, I mean, it is something we, were, we strived, for which he, he wanted to strive and for which we we are meant to strive. But the idea that he really had was that this beloved community is not something that's pie in the sky or right. I, or utopian.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm really not interested in this church doing moving towards utopia. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't really think that if we do everything right, we'll get back to Eden And I actually don't think that that's the purpose of our life and faith. Right. To get back to some imagined past, some sentimental version. Right. Right. So, becoming beloved community, to to use that phrase of the beloved community, was his word to describe and articulate a here and now reality in which we are living into the dream.
1: Well, and it, and it, it lends itself to relationship. Right. Yes. As as opposed to to that that love that we give out, continual relationship.
0: Because, why? Because love that we give out is like a, 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 some, one more thing you have to do. Yeah. 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 Right. And when we think of our relationships that way, well, those aren't like when you think about the relationships where it's like, am I am I hitting my marks? Yeah. Yeah. That 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 we need to move away from uh, um, that kind of transactional
1: yeah
0: uh relationship yeah what am i going to get for what i give what do i give when i get and just say you know real relationship is 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 there's an interdependence Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a connectedness right and so i think that's the goal the goal right right? and it's becoming beloved community because we're moving towards it
1: continually Yeah. yeah
0: yeah it's a it's a It's a moving towards a growth into a development and an evolution, I hope.
1: Yeah, So how does this challenge us, looking at this through the lens of the Bible, as we did on Sunday and through our baptismal covenant? One of
0: the ways I think it challenges us is it challenges us to go back to our Bible and read it in a different way.
1: Yeah.
0: Not in, by the way, a new or novel way. And what I mean by that is I don't think you need to, like, go... Well, now that I care about this stuff, I'm going to go back and try to read the Bible differently. What I actually mean is, like, there, and I and I've preached on this and I taught about this on Sunday, throughout our scriptures, and explicitly in our New Testament, in in some of Paul's letters in the New Testament, and um, and in Acts and in Revelation, there is a picture. There are pictures of of reconciled uh, humanity, which is to say. Communities that are being built across cultural difference. Mm-hmm. And um, and specifically with Paul, he's writing to churches that are made up of Jews and Gentiles who are trying to see what being in, uh, we're not just trying to see like for some sort of novel, like isn't this interesting sort of way. Right. They are convicted by their belief in Jesus and their belief in Jesus shoves them into relationship with mm-hmm. one another, mm-hmm. not just draws them in. I wish it was just that Right. <laughs> we'd like we'd to think it
1: come, Right, it's so beautiful, <laughs> oh, we're all here.
0: Like We're just drawn to each right? other. Right. It's more like, oh, I guess, oh, you're here? Oh, you too, and me? Mm. Oh, fine. And what I keep wanting to hammer home for people is the distinction between Jew and Gentile is huge. Yeah. And so the reality of them becoming one is radical mm. and requires them to love differently than they've ever loved before. But what's fascinating to me when you read um, Paul's letters is how much he centralizes the fact that they are being brought together into community and the belief that they're living, they're being in that community and the way they live in that community Mm. is their response to the gospel. Right, right. That their response, like Jesus died and was raised up miraculously, and you were saved, and the way you live into that salvation is by letting go of a lot of the stuff you held on to before, including your animosity towards each other right. and living into relationship. The idea that the climax right. of the gospel is, is, is our our relationship, our our choice or our, mm-hmm. our striving to live into community. So when you said like what are the challenges biblically? Yeah. The biblical challenge to me is to one on a on a sort of bible nerd level <laughs> is to go back and like look at Romans and go back and look at Ephesians and Galatians and re-acknowledge the emphasis that is being placed on these people from disparate walks of life, different uh language and culture and and status. And they and 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 I someone had pointed out to me and it's worth saying Race is actually a very modern yeah. context. Yeah. So, the, so you can't technically look at scriptures and say there's racism here. Right. Because that's a terminology they wouldn't have really had. Right. right. That being said, a lot of the things that play into our experience of racism
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the modern day are lived out in the, in the social differences, the class differences, the economic differences, the linguistic differences, cultural, t- traditional, and religious differences that are found between Jew and Gentile yeah. in, ancient, uh, in ancient Roman Empire. So, so the idea that these people who have such vast cultural difference and animosity and, and history and baggage are, are meant, are being told that their response to salvation, that they were not just saved from hell or saved from themselves or Mm -hmm. saved from death, but that they were saved for life and that they were Mm -hmm. saved, and and really that they were saved for each other. Right. That's not a thing that I have heard talked about enough in terms of what the Bible's about. Right, right. So to some degree, the challenge is to go back and read your Bible.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Then the challenge is to recognizing it's there, recognize that the Bible how much our scriptures, our, our scriptures are pushing us yeah. to make relationships and community central to our life.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. I mean, it's, it's cliche in some capacity, but in an overused term, but understanding the story, right? Right. So we understand our story. And I, I mean, in, in the, at the, the core of it, that's almost exactly what you're saying. Um, and understanding that story in the context and what it is helps us understand yes. kind of where we are in our story.
0: Well, right, and part part of part of that for me is reclaiming the Bible yeah. as our story. Yeah. Like this is the this is our heritage. Yeah. When you hear stories about your ancestors, yeah, it interests you, right? Like. I, I don't go on ancestry.com or whatever, right? Right. But whenever I hear some story about somebody that I was tangentially related to, it seems so arbitrary. But the fact that I was right tangentially or just barely related to this person m- makes their story slightly different to me. Right. Right. right so my my mother's from um, Decatur, Illinois, and and when you go there, there's this Archer Daniels Midland, this huge uh, grain mills and all okay. stuff, and soy, tons of soy. You can smell soy forever. Before ADM bought it, there was this place called, it was called the Staley Mill, okay. S-T-A-L-E-Y. Well, Staley is my great-grandmother's maiden name. Right. And she's from that That's family. awesome. Now listen, yeah. one, I get no money from these people, <laughs> right? I have right. no, like I don't have a trust anywhere. <laughs> Zero. I don't have anyone living that like identifies as a Staley. Mm-hmm. I don't, like none of that is, seems to matter, but whenever I'm back in Decatur for a holiday or if yeah. I drive by that mill or something, something sparks itself in yep. me. And, I, and it is what it is. I don't know. That's yep. just present. Right. If we recognize the scriptures as our, as as, as the voices of our ancestors and as our story, yeah. we treat it differently yeah. than yeah. just a rule book or a guideline or any of that. Mm-hmm. Look, our, our ancestors were struggling with reconciliation
1: what because is? of Jesus. Right.
0: And so are we.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: That. Lends a certain amount of beauty and 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 it's power
1: powerful. to it. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, speaking towards the baptismal covenant. Is oh yeah, any... I didn't mention that. No, yet. no, no. But the, but uh, but what what comes to the surface?
0: There's four sort of aspects or or sort of foundational statements that are made about what they're trying to achieve through becoming, right. what we all are trying to achieve through becoming beloved community. And I will confess that I, I I'm excited for Megan to continue to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Um I came in on Sunday and really tried to hit the underlying biblical themes and mm-hmm. theological framework. Um, what I would say, when you, when you look at the baptismal covenant, and for those who are like, well, what's the baptismal covenant? It's cool if you don't know what that is. I mean, I want you to know, but don't, don't worry about it. Right. The, right. Here's the deal, before we baptize someone, we ask them a set of questions, or if they're not old enough to answer the questions, we ask family and, and sponsors to answer these questions. And some of those questions are essentially what we would call a, a, a baptismal creed, a baptismal, a set of question and answer promises. Mm-hmm. And the first three questions are based on a, the creed. It's essentially asking if you believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This goes all the way back to some of the first baptisms. They would dunk people sometimes three times. Do you believe in the Father? Dunk. Son, dunk. Right, Holy Spirit, dunk. Right. Right. Once we've asked those basic questions about do you believe, then we begin to ask questions about what are you willing to do because you believe. Right. Okay, so you believe these things. Great, great. Cool. <laughs> now what? Yeah. And the baptismal promises are the things we say that we will, mm-hmm. with God's help, mm-hmm. seek to do mm-hmm. because we believe this about God. Right. So let's, let's like break it down really like really broadly and really clearly. We say we believe something is true about God. Because we say that's true about God, we are then saying certain things are true about ourselves, or that right. we believe certain right. things are true about ourselves. Right. Because we believe certain things about God, that means we believe certain things about ourselves. Because we believe certain things about ourselves, we then say, this is what people like that are meant to act like, right. do, live into. Right? right. So the baptismal promises are, are these four promises of how we seek to on a practical level, live out what we say we believe. Yeah. Will we repent when we mess up? Will we turn around, make amends, mm-hmm. try again, tr- ask God for help, mea um, culpa, and see where and, and be open to our hearts being changed. Right. You know, will we proclaim the gospel? Will we go out and live out loud the truth of what right. we say we believe in that in our love, in our relationships in the world? Will we respect every person we meet, mm-hmm. respect the dignity of every person, and will we seek and serve Christ in all persons, which is one of my, it's low-key my favorite because before you talk about respecting the dignity of someone is this thing of the idea of every single person you look at seeing Christ or seeking to find Christ. Right, in right. What are these baptismal promises? This is what we believe it means on a practical level to live a, a, a biblical life, so to speak. Right. We don't talk like that in our right. Episcopalians. But the idea of like, since we believe this, how do we live?
1: Right.
0: Okay, so if that's true. It's like
1: the action steps.
0: Right, it's like action <laughs> steps and a plan, right? So we say all this, now what, is that as, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so if we connect that to becoming beloved community, it's the same thing. On some lofty level, we say that we would like to strive for racial reconciliation. If we, tie that, if we tie that desire to the baptismal covenant and to our baptismal promises, then we're doing the same thing, which is we are, we are then trying to put onto the ground where the rubber hits the road these, these, these ideals yeah. Yeah. or these, these lofty goals. You want to live into a reconciled reality and be part of becoming justice doers and seekers and namers of truth Mm -hmm. and reconcilers of people. You want to do that work? Cool. What does that look like? We'll look at that through the lens of the baptismal covenant. And then it says, okay, so let's talk about seeking and serving Christ in all people with the knowledge that we've got some work to do with baggage Mm -hmm. around race in our church. Mm -hmm. So I think the baptismal covenant is meant to, to take all the big stuff and pull it down to earth.
1: Yeah.
0: And then the baptismal, by saying yes to the baptismal covenant, yes to these promises, that answer yes with God's help, then a whole new set of questions. Yeah. And that's where I think that's the next step.
1: Right. 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 What does this mean
0: for me today? Yeah. What does this mean for us as a church?
1: Right. Right. But the
0: goal for me. Is to make sure that people who are considering all of this, who are wondering about what about what the church's part in racial reconciliation is, or why we're, oh God, this thing is really hard, or like right. someone's gonna get upset, maybe I'm even gonna get upset, and we're probably gonna suck at it a little bit sometimes. Right. And when will we fail, and what does this mean? And it's a little embarrassing and we don't like admitting all the things we've done wrong and, and, and all of those mm-hmm. pieces that are present. It's important to me to come back to this is not like a curated Christianity or, or a, or a um, sort of boutique, a boutique version of mm-hmm. like, what, well, what would we like to address as a church? Right, right. By talking about the scriptural foundation and the connections of the baptismal covenant, what I want is for people to go, I can't fathom a church that isn't involved in racial reconciliation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if I said to you, hey, I'm not really interested in our church doing mission work, you'd be like, how mm. is it a church? <laughs> right. Or if right? I was like, I like church, but I'm not really interested in the church having, like, worshiping God. Right. You'd be like, I don't...
1: Uh, <laughs> right. <yeah.
0: laughs> That's what I want to have happen. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I want us to think, I want us to have a picture of our scriptures, a picture of our faith, and a picture of our lives in the world in such a way that when we think about racial reconciliation, mm. we can't fathom a church not having that as a part of its yeah. life.
1: Yeah, I mean so much of what you said about the, the Jews and the Gentiles and reconciliation biblically, it's it just resonates so much.
0: There is a piece. Can I read scriptures yes. for a
1: second? Yes. I'm going it'll Most take definitely. me a second
0: to find it so let's see how long I have to stall. I'm but sorry. there is there is a piece in Ephesians that blows me away every time and I'm telling you I grew up on Ephesians um in my in my Lutheran church and I've never really heard it in this way and mm-hmm. I don't know why but he's talking to this community of people who are both and. And it's, in, the, in Ephesians, based on the way he writes, it seems like it's, it's predominantly Gentile, but obviously Gentile and Jew connected. And he's Jewish, and Paul's Jewish. And even if Paul isn't the one who wrote Ephesians, that's up for grabs for people. It's clearly written from that perspective. And what he says that blows my mind is, um, he says... Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he, in this part, I mean every time, mm. for he is our peace. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Jesus
0: is our peace. In his blood, we're brought together. Right? right? Back to the words. In right. his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay,
0: it gets right there. Yeah. What did Jesus do? He died for us, and in dying for us, what happened? (laughs) He broke down the dividing wall. He made peace that he might create in himself one Mm. new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, I what I what I want for us to do is recognize that the centrality of the gospel, um, or or in the heart of the gospel, the centrality of the fact that Jesus is breaking down walls between yeah. us and, and between our cultures and our ways of being and differentiating and distinguishing between ourselves. Right. And drawing us nearer to each other.
1: Right. Completely. Right. Yeah.
0: What I don't know. What do you? Um, I'm curious about what your hopes are. In this work.
1: I would hope that this place reflects uh, the kingdom that's talked about in Revelation. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, we know that that's what the kingdom looks like. Right. Um, And what does that mean for this place to reflect that and to live into that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I guess, I guess that would be, that would be it, I don't...
0: I, I, you know, you've been at this church for longer than I have, and you've been at this church longer than a lot of people have, and, and, um, one of the things I know about you is how much you love this place. Yeah. I think it's really, when we get into this work of where we're hoping to see transformation, Right. people can get scared and wonder, oh, so are you saying that, that, that we're not okay now or something? Right for people like you and I who are madly in love with these people
1: yeah.
0: and with this community,
1: yeah.
0: the desire for transformation here is not born out of some sort of um, disgust right. with the current situation. Uh, no nor-
1: way, yeah, right. yeah.
0: Like when you talk about what you're hoping for this place, it's because you're hoping for something beautiful
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a place that you consider beautiful. Yep. yep. Like, we want to see this place move forward into this area because we believe that it's possible in God.
1: Yeah, of any place it's possible. Right? Yeah.
0: But I love you bringing that up. I mean, when we talk about when when John's in the throne room in heaven and it's all there, the people of every tribe, nation, and people and language are all there. um, Cool. What would it look like for us to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Right. Completely. Completely. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. We'll keep at it.
1: Yep.
0: It says, after this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, "...salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb." And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen." This is a picture of heaven... And Thank
1: you for listening provision. and joining us on this journey. I invite you to join in this conversation in person on Sunday mornings in Lent at 1130 at Church of the Redeemer in the Queen of the Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio.